You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. It's a brand new episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It is Chief Petty Officer Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral Ben Knight. Ben, hello. Hello. And uh, Lieutenant Commander Aurora Babalu, our Chief Science Officer. Aurora, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Okay, so we should probably talk about the elephant in the room here. Uh, We did not get a chance to talk about Season 2 episode nine of discovery like normal that is because right after we got done talking about episode eight uh ben went to the store and bought a time crystal and we yeah. ended up in a time loop and we well just... what happened was um future aurora um came back uh through a wormhole and destroyed that episode because it turned out owing to a complicated incident involving some headphone cables mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. she died during the making of that episode and so she's come back and fixed it and yeah and this is where we are now yeah, yeah. yeah. i look i look great guys right yeah yeah Fantastic. i look great in the future yes yeah yeah you have a different hairstyle though because everybody <laughs> yeah if you make if you time jump everybody's hairstyle is different yeah, yeah. Uh, glad to glad to know that i kept the beard in the future that was great <laughs> you know? I, I wasn't expecting that i won't lie yeah. i thought yeah, fashion either. moves on but there it was yeah, yeah. yeah. Nope, it stayed uh, I was just happy we didn't have to keep podcasting episode eight over and over again, because uh, <laughs> as everyone knows, those time loops uh, pesky. Uh, so we're mm-hmm. back this week talking about two episodes since we missed out on we missed out on nine. We're going to talk about nine and ten, and uh, boy, are these just a it's just a sandwich of sadness uh, with these two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, first one, episode nine, directed by Jonathan Frakes, Project Daedalus. Let's just talk about what happened, shall we? Uh, it begins with Admiral Cornwall secretly uh, hopping aboard the Discovery to interrogate Spock and brings with her some footage depicting Spock actually murdering those doctors. <laughs> uh, so somebody's not telling the truth. Saru discovers that Section 31 actually faked the footage. So now we found out who was lying. Uh, using holograms, and Cornwall directs uh, Discovery to Section 31 headquarters, where Starfleet's control artificial intelligence is... Skynet. Skynet, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Control, it turns out, is behind the forgery uh, and has been directing Section 31 to pursue Spock. Burnham, Security Officer Nan, and Arium beam to the headquarters to find the personnel... Uh, including Section 31's leadership, dead 
after Control turned off life support systems. Arium is tasked with restoring Control to Starfleet's intended purpose, but the virus from the future that she carries in her body is actually Control from the future, the AI. Uh, and instead attempts to upload the sphere's knowledge of all artificial intelligence into Control's database. Ariam uh, manages to sort of regain control over at least her ability to, to say things, if not her actions, um, and asks to be ejected into space before Control gains the knowledge that it wishes, and Nan does so, uh, despite Michael... She thought about it, but just couldn't bring herself to do it. Nan did it before it was too late. Ariam dies reliving her favorite memory from before she was technologically augmented. So you guys, we spent all this time in these last few episodes trying to figure out exactly what Ariam was. And in this episode, they just give you the Ariam story, and it's fucking sad. Very sad, yeah. It's incredibly sad. Uh, Ben, what did you think of episode nine? Uh, uh, well, it was it was an emotional journey. Uh, it, it, I want to, I want to kind of ask this question. I mean, I know there was a dramatic purpose ultimately to it, but why did no one give a rat's ass when Commander Nunn was effectively left dying on the floor? Why is Michael not immediately going? Oh shit! Yes, now the immediate threat is contained. <laughs> Let me stop her from suffocating. Yeah, it's just like, oh, well, you know what? She'll be fine. She still had half a Barzan breathy she, thing. She didn't even look in her direction. Yeah, that's true. It was like, yeah, fuck you, lady. Um, well, she's the new kid know. in school. You know, she's. Yeah, how to feel of workplace bullying? I think someone should speak to ACAS or whatever the Starfleet equivalent is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but that aside, uh, yeah, Arium. It only leaves me with this question: Is what a strange character to introduce, given that it kind of messes a little bit with Star Trek lore? To introduce yeah. Arium, whose story is is actually one of the more interesting backstories that we've seen in um, a couple of different iterations of Star Trek, mm-hmm. only to then kill her off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, a friend of mine sent me a message when he was watching it, just saying, "I guess they ran out of budget for her suit." Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> you know that ain't cheap, and Saru, you know, yeah. I don't know if you've spotted, but Saru's uh, costumes had a slight little bit of tweaking over the last few episodes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're just rejiggling the budget. I thought the episode itself—it's um, a good example, actually. You know, we've we've a couple of times talked about episodes that don't have a great deal of plot, but maybe have some other form of intrigue in them that that means you don't mind so much about the lack of plot and then you get other ones you know the other way around where you think oh there's too much plot i have literally no idea what's going on with any of the people but we've moved the story on a massive jump and i'm not entirely sure where we are with that this episode i think got a got a really nice balance actually um i did feel that there was a bit of glossing over you know the fact that control became skynet and and so on i did have to kind of go back and say oh that that is what they're saying then right fair enough essentially uh, yeah yeah, um, yeah. I think mainly though, they were really desperate to to tug on the old heartstrings in this episode, and mm-hmm. um, something. As we'll probably go on to say that they uh, they they thought, oh, well, we've we figured out how to do that. Let's do it some more. Um, it, it was it was actually a surprisingly solid episode. I did start to see the and start to come to understand in this episode and, and the next the relationship between Spock and Michael. Um, mm-hmm. because I think we've all been a little bit worried as to how that's all going to work out. Um, I do think we may be getting a, 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 
tiptoe closer to my theory from the other week that um, the reason we don't know anything about Michael in post this generation of Star Trek is because I think I genuinely believe she gets wiped out of the uh, out of the timeline. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, she's messing around with wibbly wobbly timey wimey, which we know can never go well. But it does mean they can keep her in it largely for as long as they want before eventually pulling the plug, probably via some um, time crystal uh, related <laughs> thing. Yeah, I had a tantrum about that this week. Um, I know in an episode with Murd, as you, as you pointed out, Tony, that we, we hear about time crystals. And that's fun because, you know, he's in pantomime episodes. And hey, that's funny, time crystals. Um, when as part of an A plot, you have a load of characters saying... Blah, 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 science, 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 time crystal. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Yes. So, like, there must be a better name for what you're talking about here. <laughs> like, and you write sci-fi. You can make this shit up. Yeah. Any word you like. Um, go for it. No, time crystal. Yeah. Um, Back to the know, future I, I rock. I presume at some point someone's going to put... Back <laughs> to the future rock. <laughs> someone's someone's going to you know pull out a magic sword at some point. Um I guess someone's going to have a, a cloak of invisibility. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, they've yeah. kind of done that already. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, wow, guys, come on. Try a little harder <laughs> than Time Crystal. <laughs> but yeah, other than all those things, um, this is so sad. It was a sad yeah. episode. Aurora, what did you think of episode nine? Yeah, I agree. It was a very sad episode. I did like that it had like a... Um, it felt like a whole episode, you know? Like a, a stand... It could be a standalone mm. episode. Mm-hmm. Um I liked that a lot. I liked, you know, how it started with her. It like it literally st- it started with her favorite memory and it ended with it. Yeah. So I yeah. I liked that a lot as well. Um and I like the fact that I have a pet peeve with when shows end an episode with the death of a character. Mm-hmm. One of my my pet peeves is that it goes directly to credits and you hear the music of the show. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why that bothers me and in this episode they just kept it quiet. There was no music at the end. Yeah, actually, if you have headphones on, which uh, mm-hmm. I did when I when I went through and skimmed through it a second time, there is audio. It's just the waves from the beach. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. nice. It's just yeah. waves. Yeah. Uh, so I like that a lot, a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and I also like the the crouching tiger, hidden dragon fight <laughs> between Ariam and Michael. Because <laughs> uh, there was a there was a moment where she like she kicked her or something, and she yeah. like goes to the wall and it's like slow motion. I was like, ooh, oh, yeah. fancy. Okay. There were some lovely visuals. Uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I liked that. It was pretty solid. Uh, yeah, this was one of those episodes where they kind of crunch everything you need to know about a character into one episode yeah. because they're going to kill them at the end. Uh, so the, they did a good job. I think I would have preferred to, to have gotten to know this character because it's there are two seasons in, essentially, at this mm-hmm. point. It would have been nice to know the character or maybe a little bit, uh, right. but be, you know, they had to, they crunched it in here. Uh, I believe there is kind of some stuff going on. Uh, uh, made news Last year, I think that the showrunners at the time got fired from the show in mm. like mid production, and there was this talk about the show doing this science versus faith argument, which is mm. clearly not happening now. Uh, and I feel like oh. maybe they changed a lot of, they heavily altered a lot of stuff, so maybe 
stuff like getting to know Arium more was like, well, this is part of the story now. And in order for people to get to know her, we're going to kill her. So we got to squeeze it all into one episode. Um, mm. In doing that, I think they actually did a really good job. Uh, mainly, I, I think really what just sealed it was that whole great memory sequence where she's mm-hmm. deleting mundane stuff because she's got to make mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, we find out she's making room for the data that she's supposed to upload into control or whatever. So she's deleting yeah. a lot of superfluous stuff. But she's yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing if you had that power to delete memories like that? Mm. Well, it, I think it was a really nice thing because obviously sci-fi, um, you've got to be you've got to be careful of, of the magic wand syndrome, um, as yep. Huvians would call it, and um, and Star Trek's done that a whole bunch of times over the years. Um, but I really like the idea that she's got this augmentation, and there's, there's a bit of a discussion between her and um, the other augments on the on the ship as well at one point. Um, and I like the fact that they haven't just made it, oh yeah, so now she's got a super bionic uh, brain with uh, unlimited um, SSD Capacity. Uh, drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh no, you know, this is a, effectively a disability. I've, I've got to sort this shit out frequently. And mm-hmm. I like the, the discussion between her and Tilly, which could have been one of those really, you know, <sighs> kind of daft yeah. sci-fi conversations right. uh, was actually really quite a powerful conversation yeah yeah um i i am warming to tilly um mm-hmm. i know more of her back <laughs> well i know i've got a bit more of her backstory now because the, the, the latest of the discovery books is um all about tilly and her backstory mm-hmm. and so and I've, i presume it must be canon because they dropped a few references in the last two episodes to things that are clearly from that backstory. Yeah, the books are uh, supposed to be... All of the Discovery books are supposed to be part of the story. Yeah, well, it, it they are definitely referencing stuff from the books. Um, so when you add in a little bit more colour and a bit of depth, it, it adds a lot to it. What I yeah. do find still slightly annoying, and I can't remember which of these two episodes it was in. I th- oh, it was the second one where she... Oh, actually, I don't know. Whichever one it is where she gets the um, uh, digital... Uh, sorry, the uh, biological... Um, sequence thing and she comes into the briefing room and basically trips over and, and then mm-hmm. oh, you know all right, yeah, we you. get it she's, she's a silly little recruit and she's you know she's not really silly at all but she's adorable do you know what she's a better actress than they're giving her credit for I think a little bit yeah. the writing is here do something goofy and then everyone will love you yeah, and yeah. actually do you know what she she showed in her speech to um, Arium over the uh, you know over the, uh, the comms the, yeah the comms um she showed that she can do that range without having yeah. to be a, the clown. So mm-hmm. I, I'm warming to her. I just wish the writers would have a, just a little bit more faith in her. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I love the, uh, the friendly little back and forth she has with Arium, like right after that scene where she's deleting memories and whatnot. And she's like, I'm sure you've kept everything with me in it. And Arium mm. kicks her back with like, Nope, yours are the first to go. And she just goes, hardy, har, har. <laughs> Like they felt, they felt like har, har, real. Har. They felt like real <laughs> friends. Uh, it yeah. was, it was, yeah. it was actually pretty great. And I, I love that. I mean, of course, I'm, I'm sure Ben uh, had a thumbs up when in one of the memories, uh, Detmer referenced Cotascott, yes, uh, which was a Voyager <laughs> reference. It was. Uh, uh, so all of that stuff, like she saved, she archived, just like Michael looking at her and smiling at her. Uh, like all of those. Do you have any idea why Commander Nudd didn't call her out sooner? 
Yeah, because they definitely gave the, like, did some shots in this episode where, like, Arium's doing something, and then they go into focus, and there's Don in the background looking at her suspiciously. Um, I mean, she's she's security uh, officer. Yeah, I was um, expecting her to do it, but yeah, she never did. She was did. going down. You'd at least go, oh, I wonder what she was up to there. Let's just have a quick look. Because that is, you know, that is her job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. Mm-hmm. It, it'd be weird for, I mean, it would make sense if she had, like, a gut feeling, but nothing to act to be actionable about. But mm. it's weird to focus that much attention on her if it's just to signify she has a gut feeling, but she's not really sure. Because she ultimately... Yeah. I mean, because that's what what it sort of feels like is that she has a gut feeling and she's not really sure because she never takes any action, uh, you know, until the end when she, uh, <laughs> you know, opens the the airlock, uh, which could just have been revenge for you know thing trying to kill her. <laughs> thing, it could be uh, thing. Uh, I've got to mention straight off the straight off the gate here when this episode started, uh, they meet up with Admiral Cornwell and she's talking with Pike. And first thing she says is like, I want to see Spock. And then I laughed uproariously because the first thing we saw was Spock's brain, uh, which has to be a reference to one of the worst episodes yeah. in all of Star Trek. <laughs> Cause I'm like, Oh my God, it's Spock's brain. Uh, I all, and she was asking him a bunch of questions and I was really disappointed that the last question is, was not, uh, what is brain, uh, brain and brain. What is somewhere, brain? somewhere in North America, there was a, a little podcaster laughing his little socks off at that. That's right. I was so disappointed, uh, that she did not ask him what is brain at the end. Cause maybe the show, maybe that's something they could have only done in the Orville, but I, I, I don't care. And I know it would have completely ruined the tone and the, the pacing of this episode, but I wanted it in there. Damn it. And I know Frakes directing this episode. I know somewhere in his brain and, yeah. and, the, and Riker's brain yeah, yeah. that he wanted to make that happen, but couldn't. Um, I'm gonna. I'm Gentle gonna go ahead. And she it. made you make it happen in your own mind, and that's he good did. Enough. He did. It's yeah. close enough. Uh, so this <laughs> control thing, Ben. Uh, mm. Am I forgetting anything here? Or they just make this up. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, <laughs> like this. I like. There's no canon anywhere where it's like controls the thing that well, eventually became memory alpha or something. Because I don't no, know. I mean, Starfleet control has been, as in the term, has been used. Um, uh, well, at a couple of points. In... I know in books. But yeah, but I I don't remember, uh, right. So I remember Kirk references it at one point, um, mm. and I don't quite remember why. Um, it was something. Oh. Maybe they just think, tried but, to make it a. Thing but it's like only that. well, it's. Well, I was going to say it's only because it's like it's it's used to refer to um, Starfleet Command in in a number of references. So uh, Uhura quite often said. Uh, said Starfleet Control instead of Starfleet Command. I remember a number yeah. of times that they're doing that. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember it ever being referred to as an as an entity in this sense. Um, mm. as, as I suppose, I wonder actually if what they've done is a little bit clever and implied that um, on occasion, because I God, you'd have to really go back into a deep dive to check this, but. I do know that ordinarily it was Starfleet or Starfleet Command that were contacted by um, the original series team. Sometimes it was Starfleet Control. And I, it, the reason it sticks in my brain at all is it was because of things that were a little bit, like, a little bit odd, a little bit kind of, you know, hang on a minute, what does Starfleet know about? You know, it, it was 
it was the sort of thing you might think they were contacting a slightly different department. Um, yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's the writers of this game. Oh, we could have a bit of fun by referencing, um, yeah, calling it Control, Control. because yeah. that's you know maybe maybe the original series knew all about the existence of yeah. a further department in Starfleet. So, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you, you wanted know. Command. This is Star. This is Starfleet Control. <laughs> no, what you get if you find Starfleet Control is um, you go, hi, is that Starfleet Control? And they say, I'm sorry, I think you have the wrong number. Yeah, that's uh, oh, uh, our extension the is flies at midnight. <laughs> ah, yes, you guys, you, you dialed the so. wrong extension. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, you know what? The only thing uh, I didn't like about this episode is the Skynet of it all. Like we, yeah. Starfleet has this AI thing that apparently in the future becomes evil. And wants to destroy humanity, probably because it's the only way to protect humanity. Because uh, we've we've all been there and heard that one before. Mm. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. That feels like kind of a lame retread. So I, I really hope that that's not what's happening here, and that there's maybe something else going on. But at least as of this episode, it sort of seems what's happening. I don't know. Uh, Aurora, any final thoughts on episode nine and uh, what would you give it? I'm going to give it a a four. Okay. Yeah. A good score. Yeah. Project Daedalus. Ben, what about you? I gave it a four as well. Hey, let's hop on the four train. I gave it a four. (laughs) Uh, All fours around. Three fours for Project Daedalus. Uh, All right. So before Mm -hmm. we talk about the next episode... Let's get that uh, sponsor plug thingy out of the way now. It's the goodest time as any to thank Adam mm-hmm. Tickets for sponsoring the show. Cinemageekly.com slash Adam Tickets. Or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page to pick yourself up some movie tickets or gift card for the movie fan in your life. Uh, let's talk about episode 10, The Red Angel. Aptly titled, everyone, because they just flat out tell you who the Red Angel is in this episode. Yeah. yeah. They didn't wait until the end of the show. So... Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what happened. Uh, while preparing for Arium's funeral, uh, her system is purged of the control virus along with all other control systems around Starfleet. While doing this, Tilly discovers a bio-neural scan of the Red Angel in Arium's code. And it turns out that it is Michael Burnham. <gasps> dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Section 31 Captain Leland reveals that Section 31, oh, that Hmm. Red Angel suit thingy? Ah, we built that. Oh, that one. Oh, wow. That's awkward. Yeah. We could have told you this before, but we could. So we built that like 20 years ago in a temporal arms race with the Klingons, uh, which is weird with something else we've never heard of before either but uh you don't remember you don't remember the time war and um... no they must have gone back and changed it so i would forget yeah yeah <laughs> using those time crystals <laughs> just flash the time crystals in my eyes mm. uh and uh uh oh and also uh michael not only did we build that red angel suit but your parents were part of the program jeez uh, also, I was pretty careless about leading the team, and uh, their deaths are kind of my fault. Uh, Michael punches the shit out of him, uh, but then they're like, you know what? Uh, let's hatch a plan to capture the Red Angel 
we can find out what's going on here once and for all. Um, after she talks with Spock, uh, they sort of figure out uh, there's really no rhyme or reason to where the Red Angel is showing up. Uh, but the Red Angel has shown up twice to save Michael. Uh, mm-hmm. Once when she was young and once aboard uh, the starship that was caught in an asteroid. Because she has a penchant for the dramatic, nice work. Spock. Yeah, with with Jet Reno, <laughs> whom we haven't seen. We haven't seen Jet Reno in like episodes. It's she been a while. She didn't die, did she? She's just hanging out somewhere. Uh, she's probably chopped in a Jeffrey's tree. <laughs> Help! We've all been there, banging on the wall. I've been in here for yeah. three weeks. Yeah. Uh, so they hatch a plan to use Michael as bait for the Red Angel. Discovery travels to Esau Four where there is enough energy to power their trap, and also it's pretty handy that it doesn't have a breathable atmosphere. And Michael is strapped to a chair and left out in the unbreathable atmosphere and pretty much dies until the Red Angel appears. Uh, Leland's Section 31 ship is able to close the wormhole, but not before Leland sort of gets stabbed in the eye by a retinal scanner. And seems to have died. Uh, is control behind this? Is Giorgio the one who killed him? Both seem very no. plausible. It was it was Matt Smith um, in computer form. <laughs> yes. yeah. uh, the sh- he's Skynet. <gasps> I forgot. Wait, Matt Smith in form. No, it's the impossible astronaut. Wow, they, they oh. called that shit in that as well, didn't they? Oh my yeah. god, it's uh, everywhere. Uh, <laughs> so he's. The Section 31 ship is able to close the wormhole behind the Red Angel to stop Control from following her through. Uh, Oh, and they manage to catch that Red Angel in the trap. uh, It revives a dying Burnham who actually recognizes the figure is not herself, but her mom? Yeah, Hugo. I'm not not right. I know you've had a hard time, Hugo, but someone dropped the ball here, didn't they? Hmm. I don't know what's happening here. Aurora, <laughs> were you the one who called it as her? Listen, listen. I am very upset. Okay. I am very upset because how dare this episode make me believe that I was right the whole time. <laughs> Just until the end to make me, I, I, I was so upset. Even one when the word, mom, isn't it? <laughs> even when the mom appeared, I was like, maybe it's like old. Michael, Michael yeah. 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 I was still holding on to the fact that I was right. And I'm like, and but then... that doesn't really look like her. And then she's like, no. Mom? And then she's mom. I'm like, damn it. We all got trolls, basically. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes. Uh, okay, so Aurora, cont- aside from your mm-hmm. anger, what did you think of episode 10? Um, one thing that you did not mention in the synopsis mm-hmm. is the best scene in this episode is when, when Giorgio... <laughs> Is flirting oh. with you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I love that scene. And I love that after he ends, Tilly's like, what what just happened? <laughs> She's so it's almost like have you have you guys watched Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. there's a scene where they're hitchhiking to Hollywood and they run into George Carlin. <laughs> and he talks about how he give truckers uh, a blowjob for a ride and they're like well that's great but we're not gay and he's like gay straight don't be so suburban it's the new millennium (laughs) he's like there are no lines anymore 
Uh, yeah, and no. that's essentially what Giorgio said. They're like, you know, yeah. he's gay, right? And so am I. Like, you you know that, right? And she's like... She did David <laughs> Bowie, Hello, Space Boy, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. She, called, she called him Poppy. <laughs> yeah, and she's just <laughs> like... She's like, look... Ba- ba- and basically, she confirmed the Deep Space Nine uh, thing that mm-hmm. they kind of did in the Mirror Universe there, where sexuality is very fluid in the Mirror Universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just like, well, I'm all over the place. And they're like, well, we're we're not. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great scene. Although Hugo didn't look entirely appalled at it. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he was like, yeah. considering it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I hear what you're saying. Hmm. (laughs) It's not a hundred percent no from me. It's like a sixty percent no. Yeah, yeah. I could be, I I could be persuaded. (laughs) Essentially, bit of Romulan ale and yeah. Yeah. Uh, I might go back to Orion and see if that's Orion (laughs) dancers found any punts yet. (laughs) Continue with your thoughts, Aurora. Other than that great uh, scene, which I did forget. Yeah, that her. scene. That scene was great. I I loved it. Um, I liked it. Um, I I was just disappointed that I thought I was right, and they <laughs> told me I wasn't. It's never <laughs> was, good I when was... you're just like, yeah. Yeah, I thought I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to talk about this in the podcast because I'm gonna be like, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then no, I wasn't. Well, you're I was s- almost right. Well, almost. you're. S- I mean, you're. Ca- I don't know. I'll, I'll talk about it when I get when it gets around to me. But uh, Ben, what did you think of the Red Angel? I was going to say, talk about it. You do it. You do it. I wanna, oh, I me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> great. Great. See you. Threw me off. Uh, I honestly don't remember what I was going to say. I, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll talk and then interrupt me. <laughs> okay. When I when I when, I, when, when you when remember, remember what it was. Oh no no yeah. no! I remember. I remember what it is. Okay. Though. See, uh, it see, it a hundred <laughs> out of a hundred. It's uh, never fails. Uh, so, I don't, Aurora, I believe you're probably still right to some degree, unless there's some sort of big, gigantic hole they've created for themselves here. Uh, because Tilly says there was the bio neural scan of the Red Angel, and it's Michael, and then they <laughs> have Hugh. Then they have Hugh, who's like, "Oh yeah, I li- there's no way to fake this. It's definitely." Michael Burnham. I would have spotted some discrepancies in there, and yeah, and then it's his. <laughs> then it's Michael's mom at the end, which <laughs> they would not have the same bio neural scan. They are two, even right. though closely related, different people. They wouldn't be the so same. So you think yeah. Hugh's going to be like, uh, oh, there was something on my screen. Um, yeah, there was a smudge. I've been myself recently. Yeah. <laughs> so, Somebody spilled like, a coffee. A, uh, Unless yeah. it's like when my brother tried, when I first got a, a phone with a fingerprint unlocked, I, I know my brother listens to the show, so this would be embarrassing. Um, and <laughs> I got a phone with a fingerprint thing on it, and he genuinely checked to see whether his fingerprint unlocked it. <laughs> and saying, it did not. He's a very intelligent guy. I think he was just having a moment. Uh, <laughs> we do not all have the same fingerprints, no. It uh, turns out not. No. Yeah, so maybe uh, maybe he just needed to use some Windex on his monitor or something. Mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. Maybe he blinked too too quickly and missed something. But otherwise, I'm pretty sure that unless this is some sort of gigantic hole and they wanted you to think it was Michael, and then they're like, surprise, it's not. 
uh, and then hope nobody would ask the question I'm asking right now about the bio oh, scan. They but... said it twice. Once is a mistake. Twice is deliberate misdirection. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there, I think there's probably more red angels out there than just her mother. And also, quick question: Why? Oh, would... that, hang on a second. Pause there. That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think there's more than one. Ah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. Michael is at least one of them because they really went out of their way to be like, "It's Michael." So we maybe Miles is sorting shit out, and her mum is stopping Michael getting killed. Yeah, yeah. Because well, because I'm and it questioning. All goes a bit wrong, bit butterfly effect, um, bit Back to the Future. Yeah, Michael yeah, yeah. Gets wiped out of the timeline. This kind of yeah. goes back to my uh, talking about the showrunners leaving and just how much of the show was altered after they left. Because uh, I'm sitting mm. here trying to figure out why Michael's mother would go back in time to save people from World War Three. Mm. Everyone mm-hmm, fr- everyone mm-hmm. remember that episode from, like, way yeah. back at the beginning of the season? Yeah. Like, why would she do that? Like, if mm-hmm, they wanted mm-hmm. to attract people to... That's an awful lot to do in order to yeah. just attract the ship there. Is there something else going on? Is this fragments of a story that they were planning on telling until the showrunners left and then they changed the story and they just hope people forget about it. Uh, I mean, it's Star Trek fans, so we're not going to be able to forget about it. No, yeah. Uh, So, And the writing team that that knows that. I mean, they are... Mind you, time crystals. Um, (laughs) hmm. I... uh, Yeah, it's hard to imagine that they would get that wrong in inverted commas twice in an episode I think you're onto something with um, uh, both Michael and her mum are acting as Red Angel mm-hmm. yeah that would be cool yeah uh, so yeah outside of outside of that uh, Arium's funeral I thought that was a great I mean sad way to start Ooh. the show but mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. well done it for the I, I kind of feel like for the first time in the show everybody sort of felt like a nice big family. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's weird that you need a funeral to do that, but uh, I think it worked really well in that regard. And everybody kind of felt uh, together in their grief. So uh, that was a thing. Uh, I thought uh, that Sonequa Martin-Green was excellent in this episode. It was mm. really difficult to watch her dying in agony. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was bloody good that scene though. Yeah. I thought that was tremendous. It was, it was surprisingly tough to watch. On it as well. They sure did. Yeah, her face yeah. was yeah. like uh, her skin was like flaying and mm-hmm. it was horrific. Uh, and that whole thing, it was weird though that they everybody I will nitpick this cuz Star Trek fan. <laughs> everybody <laughs> was like, "Okay, here's the plan." To attract the Red Angel, yes. Michael is going to have to pretty much die, if not die completely, in order to attract the Red Angel to her presence. Do we all get this? And they're like, yes, we all get it. And then <laughs> they go down there, and Michael is almost dying, and they're like, we got to stop this. We can't do it. And Spock's like, this is, Spock is the only one who's like, guys, this was the plan. Like, remember? Like, yeah. 10 minutes ago. Like, we all said she probably is going to have to do this, and it was going to be really tough. 
<laughs> and they're like, nope. didn't follow the plan either because she said, we'll start the timer from the second the roof opens. And she didn't. She started it from five seconds before the roof opened. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going to be really nitpicky. Um... <laughs> Finally, Spock's douchiness this season came in handy because he's just like, no, I'm, I refuse to let you stop doing the plan. It hasn't even really started yet. It also demonstrated that um, Pike has the big boy pants out of him and Cornwall. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. when they were looking to make the call, Cornwall's uh, moment of panic and just looking at him and going, your call? Yeah, and it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, nice that wait. Pike got to make some calls. I feel yeah. bad about that because she gives Admirals a bad name and I feel I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I... Uh, I like that. Actually, all of it leading up to it, even like her going to Ash Tyler and um, telling him, you know, how scared she was to do this, mm. which is such a a nice departure for Star Trek because usually they all have brave faces on, even if they're going let's into. Die, let's die. Let's go die. Yeah, they're yeah. They're like let's. They boldly march, don't they? <laughs> yeah, with the exception of Klingons, like that's just built into them like today's a good mm-hmm. day to die but everybody kind of has that you know it's like well it's our job and if i die i die and burnham's just like i mean there was really that famous scared. scene in the original series where you know they they said to one of the bridge um crew said to the other guy well do you know what today just for a laugh like it really must was everyone's heads if we stop my if we swap my red shirt that i'm wearing for your gold one i mean like mm-hmm. that could mm-hmm. be fun uh, <laughs> i'm pretty sure nothing bad will happen nope <laughs> I mean, that guy let the side down, but yes, yeah. uh, you know, like I, I just thought it was very refreshing to see her really scared of mm-hmm. doing this. Like it's, it's one thing to throw yourself into it. Uh, maybe it's one of these things where it's like it's one thing to be like a trained officer throwing yourself into a situation because you just know it's the right thing to do and not thinking about the fact that you could die. Because uh, mm-hmm. you're just thinking about getting your job done or saving people or whatever. But this is a little bit different. This is like, my job is to go die. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's all she can think about. And it's terrifying to her. I thought that was great. I thought that scene with them together was great. I thought this was mm-hmm. really and good. And forward, um, Klingon Fandango's uh, redemption arc as well, which is good. Because that had been yeah. sort of watching a bit. So Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, what did you think of episode 10? Uh, you guys have pretty much covered it. I, I will say that Georgiou, I think, other than the scene you mentioned or I think the other um uh really on the other end of the spectrum scene for her was the uh exchange between her and Burnham as Burnham mm-hmm. is about to go into the trap yeah just because, thinking about that yeah now that because I, I think my fear I said um during well the end of season one my fear was that they would do this kind of thing they always do with Star Trek with the um uh Terran uh universe is that you know, it's all very binary. It's either here are the good people, here are the bad people. Oh, look, they switch around. Are they... And mm-hmm. that's kind of a little bit old now. So seeing um, that, uh, you know, sinister Section 31 um, Empress uh, Georgiou uh, is also... I mean, I know they've always mentioned that, you know, she has a link to Burnham whichever way. Yeah. But that scene... And the fact that Burnham started to reciprocate it and the callback to the line about trust in the previous episode and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really good scene. The The spark between this uh, Georgiou and Burnham uh, reminded me of the relationship in the 
the, the sort of false start uh, pilot type episode of Discovery. Um, mm-hmm. Technically episode one, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, because we start, yeah, we could start to see that that's who they were somewhere in amongst it. So they've, they've started to break down that binary thing, which I think is really important to mm-hmm. uh, Georgiou carrying on as a character in her own right. It also means that um, at some point when we get somebody else from the Terran universe, at least we've got a precedent here for, you know, not everything is quite as binary as you might imagine. Because, yeah. um, in fact, sexuality was pretty much the one thing that wasn't binary about the parallel universe, <laughs> yes. it seems to me. Um so there's that, and the other thing, what was the other thing I was going to mention about this episode? Oh yeah, well, the, yeah, the second half, if you like, of the um, the Spock-Burnham uh, soap opera. Uh, they are the Luke and Leia of the Star Trek universe. Oh, um, where she's in there boxing the the dummy? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that was one hell of a scene. And yeah. It, 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 I mean, her, her role in that, and she played it very well, and um, yeah, she she had a blinding episode, I would say, across the board actually. But mm-hmm. her um, her role's the easier of the two there because Spock, other than the weight of that character um, to to play, you can't play it as cold and Spock like as original series Spock because um, we know he's not yet there on his kind of development, and they've done enough groundwork to say that he's not. You also can't have over emotional Spock because we know that. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, he's still Vulcan. Um, so they got this really gentle balance, and it, it's a testament to um, the guy's performance rather than the writing. Um, those lines were delivered so carefully, yeah. and with just the right slight inflection, just the slight, the, the gentle raising of the eyebrow. Um, a lot of his humour in this episode, and he had some cracking little one-liners. And of mm-hmm. course, Spock, original series Spock, also was the king of the one-liner as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's just the original series Spock would deliver it entirely deadpan and then raise a comedy eyebrow in a sort of Frankie Howard manner. Um, whereas in this, it was all much more subtle, much more gentle. Um, and I, I'm still struggling mentally slightly with with this as Spock, as opposed to some other Vulcan. Yeah. Um, but if if they've made progress on that at all, if they've started to have me invest in him as part of the Spock timeline that we know, uh, this was the episode where they really, um, you know, they they bet the farm on this putting Spock in in this point in history, and I I was genuinely surprised, pleasantly surprised by just how good his performance was, and because it was so subtle, I fear it probably won't get the recognition as a performance that it probably deserved yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh aurora any other thoughts on episode 10 uh and if not what would you give the red angel i mean i was gonna mention that i like the fact also that we're bringing back the focus to burnham mm-hmm. um yeah. like my main complaint about this season is that i felt like she was taking a secondary role to just being spock's sister um, and now they're bringing the focus back to her, and this episode was just about her. Um, yes. So I I appreciate it. Um, and with that, I, I gave this episode a four as well. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I went, uh, since I think we're going to uh, mm-hmm. continue in the order which we were doing this, uh, I think I'd like this one a little bit better than episode nine. 
and therefore my score will reflect that. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a four and a quarter. <laughs> like that's slightly better. What about you, Ben? I too give it a four and a quarter. Um, I think, in particular, it's done some really good groundwork for, other than the, the kind of um, diversion, the misdirection that it gave us at the end there. I actually think I now st- I'm starting to care a bit more about the soap opera side of it, and and I realised I'm starting to care a little bit about the characters, um, and that's a big bit of progress for me. So it gets mm-hmm. that a little bit extra. Uh, interesting little bit before we sign off uh, as well that at the end of this episode, Arium's uh, position was filled by a new crew member, Nilsson. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this is part of that weird switcheroo uh, they did where uh, Nilsson is played by Sarah Mitich, who was originally Arium in season one, and they recast Arium uh, to huh. the... Oh, I can't remember her name now. I'd have to go look. Uh, Hannah Chessman, or Cheeseman, uh, mm. who played Arium this season. And now that Arium is dead... Uh, Sarah Mitich is back playing a new character, not in makeup. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, maybe she... Mark was right when he said it's all about the budget. Could be a budgetary thing. Yeah. Just like mm-hmm. eh, we want to keep her on the show, but not in the makeup every week. Mm-hmm. So hmm. doing something a little bit different there. Um, okay, so that's it for the show for this week. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com, check out the archives of the show. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast, and hit subscribe. Uh, and that way you can come back uh, next week and hear us talk about Season 2, Episode 11 of Star Trek Discovery. Ben, as I'm now looking at the title of this episode, I'm going to request that you go return the Time Stone back to the Best Buy from which you purchased it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't keep the receipt. You know what they're like. Because it's, it's given me... it's. This episode title has given me some some flashbacks to our, our time in the time loop. Uh, season 2, episode 11 of Discovery called Perpetual Infinity. Terrifying. 